This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. the conference championship edition of one-on-one's NFL Friday. Matt Morrow, Pat Burns, Brendan Bowers, and Luke Palmer behind the glass. It's good to be back, Pat. I haven't been here in a while, and it's good to talk some uh, NFL playoff football. We're ramping up. Yeah, it's good. It's good for me to be back, too. It's been a while for me, and uh, yeah, this is the most exciting time of the year for a football fan. I think we're coming off the greatest weekend in uh, in the NFL season. I think we're going into the greatest single day of the NFL season coming up. So it's an exciting time for sure. Well, maybe other than the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is pretty fun. Well, well, you know, sometimes it doesn't end up being that. It's we, not as much football that, you got we, that two, you got two. Yeah, you're right. You have more chances to see better football. All right. You, you got me. You, you sold me. Um, yeah, we, we're getting through. We've gotten through the wild card round. We've gotten through the divisional round. We're up to the conference championships. So just two weeks of football left to go. But... There is an entire off season, but so before we get to last week's games, I'm sure you, you, you know, we'll we'll talk about last week's games. I'm sure you've heard those already, and we'll we'll preview next week. But the off season hasn't even started yet, but it it has started, and we've got we've still got a long time to go. And the coaching carousel is in full swing. We don't know when it's going to end because there's still a team out there that's still looking for somebody, and there's going to be plenty of coordinator positions open. But some big names have been let go by teams and now finding new homes. And I guess if we're in New York here, obviously if you are in New York or listening to this podcast, the name that you're most familiar with is Rex Ryan. Yep. And as not a, as a New Englander, you are familiar with this guy, but yes. I'm sure that you are. Uh, well, what's your feeling? So Rex Ryan, no more a Jet, but now he's still in the AFC East. He's going. He's the official head coach now of the Buffalo Bills. As as a fan, as a Patriots fan, I'm annoyed just because I wanted this guy out of the division, but. Um, from a from a football standpoint, looking at this hire, I, I don't think it makes sense for the Bills, I mean, or Rex Ryan for that matter. I mean, Rex Ryan was, the reason he left the Jets was because they couldn't figure out how to improve the offensive side of the ball. I think it's abundantly clear now that Rex Ryan is not a very good offensive coach. I think he's a phenomenal yeah, defensive but, coordinator. I mean, I don't think they're going to, they're they're not hiring him for his offensive prowess, but I do understand no. what you're saying. It is a little bit weird. They're in a similar position that right. the Jets are in. The Bills' biggest need is on the offensive side right. of the ball. We saw how good their defense can they be They have one of the season. best defenses in the league this year. Right, and... You know, they're, they're biggest. They even have some talent on offense. You know, they have good talent at running back when it's healthy. They have some talent at wide receiver now with Sammy Watkins. Really, they're a quarterback away, and that's their biggest need. And what was the Jets' biggest need? Quarterback. Right. And to me, Rex is going from one position to almost an identical one. Yeah. And to me... He's not the guy to find and develop the Bills' next quarterback. Well, I think that's what it comes down to. I think if you're the Bills, you need to learn from the Jets situation. Of course, plenty of news to come with the Jets. We'll get to that in just a second. But I think Rex Ryan is a big enough name that we start with him. But I do think that as long as the Bills learn from the Jets, that this won't be an issue. I think I, as a Giants guy, I like Rex Ryan. I think he's a guy who brings fire to a team. I mean, yeah, if you're on the other side of the ball, if you're a Patriots guy, you're not going to like him. If you're a Dolphins guy, you're not going to like him. If you were a Bills guy, you're not going to like him. But now you do because he brings that passion, that energy to a team that certainly needs it because they just went 9-7, and seven, their first winning season in a decade, and then their coach leaves. So what does that say about the direction of this team? What does it say about the you – know, what message does that give about the future? Well, here's this guy who's going to come in and say, 
Our future is here. Our future is now. And we have a shot to go out and win in the immediate future. They need to go out and get an established quarterback. That's where they learn from the Jets' mistakes. You're yeah. right. They can't go. They can't go and develop somebody. They got to get somebody who's established. And I mean, that's not. You can't just go pluck a Tom Brady. Right. But if they can go out and pull off a trade or something, you can get. You know, draft will be harder to do. But and then obviously that's developing somebody. But if you go out and get a more established guy, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I just I just would have liked to have seen the Bills go for a more offensive guy. I think that's where their bigger need was. And turning to the Rex Ryan part of it now, I I don't necessarily think this is the best fit for him. I would have liked to have seen Rex Ryan in Atlanta. To me, Atlanta's a team that has some established right, they ha- offensive talent. they have talent. a quarterback. Right. They have a quarterback that I think you can win with in Matt Ryan. They have some receiving talent in Julio Jones. To me, that team needed defense and toughness and – Rex Ryan could have really brought that to them. He could have brought an attitude there. We know he's capable of building a defense, and that's what Atlanta needs. I think he would have been a great fit in Atlanta, and I just think I I don't see it working out much better in Buffalo, at least looking at it right now, than it did in in New York with the Jets. I just to me it 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 wasn't the greatest hire from either perspective. But we'll see how it works. You know, I mean, he's got a great defense to work with now. You know, and defense was the focal point of those Jets teams that made the playoffs. So maybe he'll find some success early on. I just don't know if he's going to be able to sustain it. I think he might get exposed there eventually like he did with the Jets. He leaves the Jets. The Jets have a new head coach, Todd Bowles. It was reported that he's going to, he's the, the Cardinals defensive coordinator. He reported he got a four-year deal to be the new head coach of the New York Jets. Comes from the um, Arizona Cardinals. And that team is known for having a real good defense. So there's another defensive guy. Is this the right move for the Jets now? You think, all right, they had this defensive guy and it worked out very well in the beginning, but offense is their biggest need. Right. Is this the right direction to go in, as good as Bulls may be on the defensive yeah. side? I, the Jets are another team that I wanted to see go more offensive. Right. And, look, their defense, they have a great front four. You know, their front seven, if you extend it out to the linebackers, is is pretty good, too. But they need help in the secondary, so Bulls might be able to help bolster that defense a little bit. But to me, yeah, their biggest need is on the offensive side of the ball. I just think you go from one defensive-minded coach to another. To me, the Jets need they need more than just a quick fix. They need more than minor changes here and there. And this, to me, constitutes a minor change in terms of ideology, in terms of emphasis between offense and defense. I, I would have liked to have seen them go more offensive Uh, You know, one of their biggest decision makers on the offensive side of the ball now is Chan Gailey, who I don't have a lot of confidence in Mm -hmm. either. I just it's to me, it seems like more of the same. I just I don't have a lot of confidence in in the decision that they made here. Well, and just sticking with the Jets for a second before we move on to one of the biggest names, John Fox, who mutually parts ways with Denver. We'll get to that. But before we leave the Jets there, I mean, maybe the bigger thing here is that they have a new general manager now. Mike McCagnan, Texans director of college scouting, is going to replace John Idzik. So I, I actually think that while, yeah, I agree that Todd Bowles, he might be a really good defensive mind. He could work out great. I think it's a better, uh, well, it's more important for Mike McCagnan to work out because obviously yeah. I don't, because I personally don't think Rex Ryan was the problem with the Jets. I think John Idzik was the problem these last couple of years, not giving him any anything to work with. But So let's move over now. To John Fox, and this is the news that surprised me most out of any of the coaching stuff. I wasn't shocked to see 
Rex Ryan land with the Bills, a team with a good defense. And obviously, as much as I thought the Jets should go with an offensive guy, they, they go with a defensive guy, you know, whatever. If he turns out to be a good head coach, we don't know yet. Right. But John Fox, I think, is a good head coach. This was surprising. And he leaves Denver. They mutually part ways. If you obviously can't see, but I gave a little air quotes there. Yeah. He probably would have been fired if he didn't agree to part ways. That's usually what that means. But now he goes over to Chicago. And they fire Mark Tressman, who is now looking to be, be an offensive coordinator possibly somewhere. I, I was just shocked about this. And we'll get into more of the Denver situation when we talk about last week's games. But, I mean, they just went from the top of the world last year to just and even what early a drop this year. off. Yeah, even early this year. What a drop off. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a, a breeding ground for all kinds of speculation. You know, does this have something to do with trying to keep Peyton Manning in Denver? Uh you know, just it makes you question how, you know, John Elway's faith in John Fox to begin with. I just, it to me, very, very surprising. I think John Fox landed on his feet. You know, oh, I mean, the, the Bears are, they're kind yeah, of they're in a tough spot. Yeah, they're coming off a five-win, you know, a five-win team. But you go right back to, you. he's unemployed for, what, two days? <laughs> right, and traditionally the Bears, from a, from the perspective of, of the franchise, is a good job. I just I'm very surprised. I'm curious to see what happens with Denver now. They're interviewing Adam Gase. Jack Del Rio's out of the picture now because he's in Oakland. It's just very very interesting. A lot of shoes to drop here. Yeah. Uh, if Gase gets that job, I'll be very interested to see how much that factors into Peyton Manning's decision whether or not to come back. And I'm sure we'll get to that later on yeah. when we talk well, about the games. Absolutely. From- just to I mean wrap this up is obviously some other stuff going on you mentioned it Jack Del Rio goes to Oakland Atlanta's still without a coach after they let go of Mike Smith and then like you said Del Rio's gone from Denver so a lot of stuff you know to go there is Adam Gase gonna go to the 49ers maybe well he was gonna was he gonna go to the 49ers that's not happening anymore after they lose John Harbaugh their uh, defensive line coach Jim uh, Jim Tomsula he's taken over there um, and then you got a bunch of coordinators flying around no more uh, you know uh uh, Dick LeBeau in Pittsburgh. Who's, right. Uh, I mean, another surprising. I, I saw an Onion article that said he was going to coach another thirty to forty years, but maybe that's not <laughs> too much uh, satire. Maybe that's real. Well, um, I already think... like seven years old. And then Spagnolo back to the Giants. So a lot of uh, a lot of pieces moving. There'll still be plenty more to come. Yeah, I think the big thing with the LeBeau uh, move is that he specifically said it was a resignation and not a retirement. Oh yeah. So that to me says a lot about what's been going on in Pittsburgh and and how that's kind of developed over the past few seasons. A lot going on in the coaching tree, but, hey, there was a lot going on last week. It was the divisional round, and, uh, Pat, you're you're here. Brendan's here. <laughs> There's nowhere else we can start but Baltimore at New England, and this game gave us everything we wanted it to give us. Absolutely did. I, uh, I was in here for one-on-one that day. Before that game, and I people people were telling me all day I was on edge, and I was. <laughs> to me, Baltimore. Well, I was with Brennan, don't worry, he was too. Baltimore, for whatever reason, just always brings out the worst in the Patriots. It's never been a good matchup for them. Well, I mean, maybe we give credit to Baltimore for that. They're absolutely. A good team. I I give all the credit in the world to Baltimore for that. They have an attitude and a swagger about them that they can come into Foxborough and win and win consistently. They're not afraid. I feel like a lot of teams come in here and are a little bit awestruck by what New England has built over the past decade and a half, and Baltimore is not one of those teams. And, I mean, to get out to two 14-point leads. Yeah, that's, had, that's a huge – I mean, 
And be, but honestly, because it's the Patriots, you guys might have felt differently because you and Brendan, like I, like I've said maybe four times already, are huge Patriots guys. So maybe you felt that watching that game, I never felt like the Patriots were down fourteen points, and it happened twice. See, and they, I mean, yeah, it's a huge accomplishment they came back twice, but I think it's just a compliment to them to say that. Uh, whatever, you know, down fourteen, they'll probably come back, and they did. Both yeah, times. and I mean, I was worried down fourteen points, but. I wouldn't go so far as to say that I thought they were out of the game. And there's not a lot of teams you could say that about. And to me, that is a testament to this year's Patriots team in particular. Because this year's group, from an identity standpoint especially, is different from the teams we've seen come through the past few seasons. They, they have a much better defense, obviously. They're much more balanced. And they're a team that can win a lot of different types of games. They, you know, they won games 23 to 10 this year. They won games 40 something to 20 something going away. They're a team that can adapt to the type of game they get into. They can win with defense. They can win with offense. This was a game, for example, where the defense didn't really play that well. In for large stretches, they gave up a ton of yards. Yeah, Darrell Revis looked very ordinary. Drew a couple of very key penalties. Yeah, he drew a, more about the same amount of penalties he had in the whole regular season, right? Right, and you know the defense. That was the one thing that everyone in New England wasn't worried about going into this game. That the defense will play well. It's going to be on Tom Brady and the offense. Are they going to be able to score points? And it really ended up being the opposite. The offense put up thirty-five points, yeah. <laughs> and the defense allowed uncharacteristically for them this season over thirty. And I'll just mention this quickly. I was with Brendan up, and we were doing. We were on a trip up to St. Bonaventure University, which is two, an hour outside Buffalo. And he was sitting. We were at Applebee's watching the game, and watching the game maybe isn't the right term because there are about twenty TVs in Applebee's, and we just happened to be seated at a TV that could see like none of the TVs. So Brendan and Brendan made sure that we could get it on both TVs around us, but the dish was going out because it was on too many TVs, so they oh, had to no. turn it away. Brendan would not talk to us the entire dinner. He was just <laughs> trying to like crane his head looking for looking for dinner. So I just had to get out that out there that Brendan is only with us this week because he's still got enough happiness in him after this win. I don't know how we would have taken that. I don't know how you would have taken that. Tom Brady certainly didn't take it because he went out and won that ball game. But the legend grows still. He's he's um he's. He's unbelievable at this point. I mean, you just – the things that he's able to accomplish with this team, and he just seems like he's never – I mean, we joke about Dick LeBeau never going away. I don't see a time when Tom Brady's going to go away. I mean, he's still doing all these things, and, yeah, this is a great team, and Gronk has helped. That's a huge part of it. But, yeah. I mean, the other weapons on this team, I'm not overwhelmed by. Even Julian Edelman with that tremendous, you know, <laughs> beautiful spiral down the field, Danny Amendola. I think Danny Amendola had a quiet year. I mean, they're running backs. I mean – they don't overwhelm you. It's it's Tom Brady. I yeah. Mean, and the, what he's been able to do, it just continues to impress me. Yeah, I, there are some guys that are stepping up and have stepped up here as the season has gone on. You mentioned Danny Amendola. To me, he had a huge game. He scored the touchdown that made it tied up at 14 when, you know, Patriots fans were starting to think back to 2009 when Baltimore <laughs> ran him out of the building. Yeah. He broke a tackle and then dove to the end zone. He picked up a big third down on the eventual game-winning touchdown drive, obviously caught the pass from Edelman to tie the game at 28 before that. He's a guy who stepped up, uh, did down the season, down the stretch at the end of the season, too, when Edelman was out for a few games with a concussion. Uh, Brandon LaFell is another one. Uh, Brady looks to him a lot at the beginning of drives to get drives going, 
and obviously he hit LaFell for what ended up being the game-winning touchdown pass, which, by the way, uh, you were singing Tom Brady's yeah. praises. That was yeah. vintage Brady. That, that was, pass was Brady at his best. Placed. That's one that he puts on his highlight reel. Could Joe, not have been placed more Joe perfectly. Flacco had a lot of playoff highlight reel, and I thought he played pretty well for most of this game. Yeah. Obviously, at the end, you know, it doesn't work out at the very end, but I, I don't think this was a case of Flacco being exposed for what he is in the regular season. I thought no. he played pretty well. I just thought it came down to the Patriots coming out and winning this game against a very – it's not a six-seed Baltimore Ravens. They are one of the best six-seeds you'll see ever in the playoffs. Right. That's a great team. But the the victory prize for winning that game is, yes, a date in the AFC Championship game, but that's a date with the Indianapolis Colts. And a lot of people thought it was going to be the Denver Broncos, especially when the two teams played earlier in the season. But that's not the case. And – I guess this is where we debate why that is, because Andrew Luck is one of the most exciting and intriguing young quarterbacks in this game. He's one of the best quarterbacks overall in this game, and next few, year, few years he will be the best quarterback in the NFL. And the other side, Peyton Manning, the guy he replaced in Indianapolis, has been possibly the best quarterback in the NFL for a long time, and is it possible that we're seeing the end of that era? And is it even possible that we've seen the end of the Peyton Manning era in general? We already mentioned it. John Fox is out. Uh, so after they lose at home to Indianapolis, Indianapolis comes in and win, wins this game 24-13. Denver only puts up 13 points in this game. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I'm a big Andrew Luck guy, but I'm going to start this off saying I, I think this is more on Denver. This says more about Denver than yeah. it does about the Colts. Denver lost this because even, I mean, the Colts played well, but Luck still made a couple of those Andrew Luck mistakes that kept Denver at least relatively in that game into the third quarter to me it was more to me Denver lost this game a bit more than Indianapolis won it and I mean you you talked about have we seen the end of Peyton Manning and how much of that decision falls on the Broncos to me if Peyton Manning doesn't come back it's going to be Peyton Manning's decision at this point nobody Denver's doing to me, they're giving him every opportunity to come back. Yeah, John Elway spoke about it in his press conference after they let John Fox go. There's speculation, and I feed into this a little bit, that Adam Gase may be hired as the next guy, you know, with at least a little bit of an eye toward bringing Manning back, making sure he comes back, because there's uh, an extremely high comfort level there mm-hmm. between the two of them. But I don't think it's any certainty at this point that that Manning comes back. I mean, he was asked on Christmas Eve going into their last regular season game against the Raiders if he was planning on coming back. I thought it was an odd time to ask it. Yeah. But it gives you a lot of perspective now because he said at that time, yeah, I'm coming back as long as they'll have me. And obviously every indication was that Denver was going to want to have him back. He's under contract. But he does not – he didn't seem as confident when he's asked about it after this. No, point blank. He was asked again right after that game, and he's – he basically made it sound 50-50. Yeah. And I even, you know, watching – watching TV afterwards and, you know, watching the highlights, I think it was Merrill Hodge who gave, in his own opinion, Peyton Manning a 30% chance of coming back. That's – yeah, I – it's just unfathomable to me because he's a guy that I looked at like Tom Brady who when they get up there, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's no question that Peyton Manning has lost arm strength. He's not going to throw the ball 80 yards downfield, but he's still one of the most accurate passes in the NFL, probably yeah. the most accurate. And the smartest. And uh, Yeah, no question. And, yeah, his playoff stats aren't there, and they haven't been for, for quite uh, some time now. 
he's still Peyton Manning to me, and I think I, I hold him in that same regard as Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, maybe he's playing hurt the last month of the season. But, I mean, saying all of this and saying it's how crazy it is that it's uncertain that Peyton Manning might, may or may not come back, how crazy it is that John Fox does such a great job with this team, and then, you know, this playoff loss and he's gone, as, as, as much as it is their fault for losing at home, you know, favored by over a touchdown, you do got to give some credit to Andrew Luck before yeah. we move on from this one. Indianapolis, to me, played Denver's offense perfectly because we can talk about the quad uh, Peyton Manning's quad injury, but even throw that out of it, the way Indianapolis defended Denver's passing mm-hmm. game was to jam up the middle of the field, clog the middle of the field, which is obviously a big component yeah. of a short passing game, which is what Denver this thrives is huge on. Strength. Yeah, and they forced Peyton Manning to complete passes down the field, and we saw it all game long from the first quarter. He had the touchdown to Demarius Thomas, but after that, you know. Indianapolis forced him to complete balls vertically down the field, and he just couldn't do it. He was overthrowing guys. You know, everything was these long, looping throws, and it's just it's the arm. He doesn't have the arm strength, and he can still complete those pinpoint passes over the middle, but if you don't give those to him, he's in trouble, and Indianapolis, played to me, played that perfectly. They did. Their defense did a fine job on Peyton Manning. I'm I'm still going to give some some credit to Andrew Luck. He's thrown for a thousand seven hundred and three yards so far in his playoff career, and that's only in five games. That's the most by any player in their first five postseason game. And I think it's just a sign of things to come. I don't know how much of a chance I'm going to give them against the Patriots. We'll get to that when we when we predict these championship games at the end. But I, as much as this is Denver's loss, got to give some credit to Indianapolis, and I definitely think Andrew Luck for for pulling out this win and. and and getting the Colts to the championship. Yeah, he's progressing very well. I mean, if you if you sit here and ask me at this point in Luck's career, has he been worth the the number one pick that oh, he was that was spent okay. on him? Absolutely, takes his team to the playoffs. We're not and, uh, we're not wondering whether it was him or RG three anymore, are we? No, not no. at all. I wasn't from the beginning. No. To Andrew, be Luck, I I agree with you. I've been an Andrew Luck guy since day one, and I think he just continues to prove it. He's gonna have a tough taps going against pay uh, not pay me, just be payment, but going up against Tom Brady in the championship game. And we're going to have one heck of a test in the NFC Conference Championship game for the two quarterbacks who have gotten there as well. We'll start the same way we did the FC. We'll start with the Saturday game. It was Carolina at Seattle. And I, I didn't – I'm not surprised the way this game plays out. Obviously, Seattle runs away with this one at the end, and Seattle's going to host the NFC Championship game. It took them a while, this though. Weekend. But it, it did. But, again, give Seattle's defense a ton of credit. But then Russell Wilson, too, he makes enough plays. And he, yeah, he does. And he's more than – I think he's – Proven to me because I'm a guy who I'll admit it. I thought he was more of a game manager and a guy who could run around and a guy who could make a throw when you needed him to, and th- all that still holds true. But I do think he is more than a game manager at this point. And we know what their defense is now, and we know yeah. that Carolina, once dispatching Arizona, Carolina was probably the weakest link remaining in these playoffs. Oh, definitely. So uh, we know all those things, but I think Russell Wilson keeps adding on to things maybe we didn't know about him when he came into this league and. He's going to be going, you know, I would not say with a huge level of confidence that he's by far the worst player left, the worst quarterback left in these playoffs because he's no. showing you things that he can still do out there. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting to compare him to Andrew Luck. They were taken in the same draft class, and they've both had a certain amount of success. Obviously, Russell Wilson's had more, but they're they're so different. To me, Luck is the better talent in terms of being a pure 
quarterback, a pure passer at least. But Russell Wilson, I know this this kind of sounds cliche, but he's a winner. He just he, he finds really it's it's hard to it helps actually, to, it helps with the guys he's got and the defense he's got, but you right. still got to go out there and make plays. Yeah, and it's hard to put your finger on it specifically what that means, but he's a winner. He just finds ways to win games and keep his offense competitive. And I, to me, that that's almost scarier than being able to sit in a pocket and pick a pick a defense apart. And while yes, I see that we know what Seattle's defense is. It'd be a disservice not to mention it because that's a huge reason they go out and win this game. Cam yeah. Newton and that Panthers team, they're probably a better team than that record showed. They had a terrible two-month stretch during the regular season. But you know what? They came over some adversity at the end of the year. Still a good win over Arizona, even though Ryan Limley's out there throwing passes. Yeah. But give that defense some credit still, too. And Cam Chancellor is a guy. We always talk about Richard Sherman and, hey, first postseason career interception. Surprised he didn't have one already. I know. Um, but Cam Chancellor seems like the guy. I mean, you got Earl Thomas back there, too. And, you know, Richard Sherman is the big face. He's the guy who's on Madden. I'll bring the whole Legion of Boom on with me. Yeah. But, you know, it, Cam Chancellor, it's, you can't understate the importance that he has on in, in the defensive backfield for this team because he's a guy who flies around, makes big hits. He's a big guy back there, strong safety. Yeah. But then – you know, that picking off Cam Newton all the way down there in the red zone and running it all the way back, that's a terrific defensive play. And those are the kind of plays that the Seahawks get that just take the life out of a team, especially at home. They're one of the best home teams in the NFL. We all know that. Their, their, their home field advantage is right up there. The, it's funny, the Broncos since the start of the 2012 season, but they're 22-2 uh, and two the last two years at home. Wow. And this plays like that, that really, I mean, that 12th man, they get into it when you see a play like that. Yeah, that's real. And getting back to, to Camp Chancellor, I mean, you'll ask certain people around the league, and they'll say that Camp Chancellor is the best member of that Seattle secondary, not even Richard Sherman, depending yeah. on who you ask. And you mentioned the pick six he had. We haven't even gotten to th- that sequence at the end of the first half. Oh, where my God. He leapt over the entire line. It was unbelievable. What was it, two times? He did it twice. and He didn't try it the third time. When no, because the at that point, probably someone was going, all right, just get to the halftime, please. But, but it was unbelievable. So, what did he, so he, he, did he hit it once? No, he missed it both times, right? He was offsides once. He missed it, but then the one time he did alter it, and then I think he got run. The kicker got run into. So he Gano made into, a smart play to yeah. like flop. He flopped. He ran into the kicker on the one that he Gano blocked. Gano flopped on one. it, but it was a smart play because you can't do. He knew it was. He knew Chancellor was coming. Yeah, flying over the line. There's nothing you do to stop him. The announcers were like, "Is he gonna do it again? Is he gonna do it again?" And of course he did it again. And he timed it perfectly. It was, it was perfect. And I, I mean, yeah, he didn't do it that third time. But I mean, that was that was one of the most. That was one of probably my favorite part of that game. Just watching that. And then in the second half, Seattle was able to take over defensively. And, again, they made enough plays to put away Carolina. So, I mean, Carolina, you look at their, you're going to look at their final record. And, you know, a few years we'll see that final record and not think much of them. But, it, you know, we'll see where they go in the future because, look, Cam Newton is a guy who's another young star in this league. But you run into a tough team at home, and that's a tough place to play. And Seattle, they're the number one seed for a reason. They're going to be hosting the NFC Championship game for a reason. Yeah, and they were either taking on Dallas or Green Bay Saturday night. They had to wait for Sunday, and it was well worth the wait for anybody who was had to wait then Saturday night to watch that game on Sunday because that was one entertaining football game. And Phenomenal. Of course, Green Bay ends up winning that game at home. A tough place to play, but 
Dallas looked like they could have won that game, and there were a lot of people's sleeper picks for the Super Bowl. They just, I was hoping they were going to get there. They ran into Aaron Rodgers, who somehow can play no matter how much he's hurt, but also one of the most controversial calls we'll see after we thought we'd saw it in the Lions game. Of course, it goes the Cowboys' way in that instance. Doesn't go their way. Des Bryant makes the nope. catch near the one-yard line and then tries to dive for the end zone, ends up losing it, but it's all in the process of the catch and going down. And if you haven't seen the Calvin Johnson play, a lot of people were referencing the Calvin Johnson play a few years ago, week one against the Bears, when the Lions played the Bears, and the Lions end up losing by like five points because a Calvin Johnson touchdown was ruled incomplete in the final 23 seconds or something. And it's a very similar play. But when you hear the rule, and you have the rule read to you, everybody says, listen, this is in the words of the law. This is the way that this is governed in the NFL. These kinds of plays, if you're going down with the football, you have to maintain it all the way down and through the catch. You have to come up with the football yeah. if you're going down and hit the ground. And by the nature of the rule, I guess you can say, all right, well, that's that's the rule. But I think this brings up that I guess I just don't like the rule because it looked like yeah. Des Bryant made a football play, had the ball already, and unfortunately – and of course, look, I'm a Giants guy. I'm wearing a Giants t-shirt and a Giants sweatshirt. I don't want. I didn't want the Cowboys to keep going, but that looked like a catch. Yeah, I mean, they got the call right on the field based on the letter of the rule. I think we can all agree that it's just a bad rule that needs to get changed. I mean, I was listening to something earlier this week where they actually read the rule, or at least part of the rule, and the focus was on the whole idea of a football move and what constitutes a football move. And it lists a couple things in the official rule, but then at the end it says etc. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you what have does that mean? <laughs> in, in the rule. Like, you can't do that. No, that I mean that that leaves it completely <laughs> ambiguous. That, could... that that just that, that's a textbook bad rule. <laughs> to, to me, the they look like they got bored one night and were like, oh, we've been writing this rule book for forever. Just throwing etc. We'll cetera, pick it up tomorrow. I gotta go home. This. It was to me that, that that right there is enough to make me sit here and yeah. say that the rule needs to be changed. I mean, look, we can't we can't sit here and argue whether I was the right call. It was the right call based on the rule, right? And but that's yeah. what everyone said. Yeah, and that's it's unfortunate, but but that's the just the way it is. But a lot of people will also argue, but this call, even though it's late in the game and it would have been given Dallas a huge touchdown, it, if although I don't that one play wouldn't have been a touchdown. They're right in scoring position. Uh, this is a huge call against Dallas. Another reason they don't win this game is Aaron Rodgers. And the way he played near the end of this game, obviously right. we, we know about his injury problems with the cap, but the way he finishes this game, he goes 9-for-9 nine nine in the fourth quarter. It's the most attempts, this comes from Elias, the, the most attempts without an incompletion in the fourth quarter of any playoff game in the last 25 years, so a quarter of a century. And completed his last 10 attempts for 163 yards and two TDs. He was 15-of-20 in the second half. So obviously he came into this game not feeling good. Couldn't have been feeling any better in the second half, but that, that just says all you need to know about Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. guy turns it on when he needs to. You want to talk about a winner? You're going to have two winners going against each other in the NFC Championship game because oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is also the definition of a winner. Yeah, and getting back to that, that catch, I mean, like the week before with the call against the Lions, I feel like that call overshadowed a lot of mistakes that the Lions made around that play. Absolutely. I think you could say something similar for Dallas this week because that was a fourth and short. I don't remember what the distance was, but I think it was a fourth and short. And they went for it all. And they went for it all. 
you know, listen, listen. If they get it, they get it, and everybody, nobody's questioning that decision. But but that's a big risk. It to, is. to I mean, that's to me, that's a low percentage throw anyway. And you're looking at giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers after that to basically ice the game. He needed to pick up one or two first downs, but did any of us really think that he wasn't going to be able to do that once he got that ball back? No, not at all. Right. So, I mean, you can talk about the call and and whether or not it was a catch and how bad the rule is all you want, but to me, Dallas kind of messed that up at the end of the game and didn't really – I don't think they – took the the threat of Aaron Rodgers seriously enough in that sense because they gave him the ball and he went down and ended the game you know with a couple passes after that and now with that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers find themselves in the NFC championship game a place they're somewhat familiar with they go and they play the first game of the NFL season they're in Seattle against the Seahawks the Seahawks are hosting the NFC camp championship game this weekend and it's going to be the NFL's top offense the Packers Gets the NFL's top defense, the Seahawks. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. And uh, <laughs> I, I I guess we got a few more minutes until predictions because we're going to go over both these games first, you and I, before we bring in Brendan and Luke on this. But I guess that'll give me enough time to figure out what is going to give because yeah. this, is, this is not going to be an easy prediction because how can you count out or how can you expect the Seattle defense to give based on what they've just shown you? And they had a slow start to the season, but they look like they've put in that way past them. But also, on the other side, how could you say Aaron Rodgers is going to have a drop-off because you can't use the excuse, well, he's still playing injured. Well, look what he did when he was playing injured against Dallas, and look how he ended that football game in the second half when it was probably hurting him worse than it was in the first half. I mean, you want to you want to make a case for me? I'm a very indecisive guy I, sometimes, Pat. You want to help me out? Yeah, I just I, I see your point with Rodgers, <laughs> you know, how well he played against Dallas, especially in that second half. But there's a big step up from the Dallas defense yeah. to the Seattle defense. And I think I think the injury rears its head more this week than it did last week because one of the one of the things well, that one of the things that makes Aaron Rodgers so good when he's healthy is when he can move. Right. He can beat you in so many different ways. That's what gives defense fits. If you sit back and play coverage, he has time in the pocket, mm-hmm. he can pick you apart. If you blitz or send extra pressure, he can get out of it. And there's space for him to run, or he can make throws with pinpoint accuracy on the run. To me, you take out his ability to move outside the pocket, get outside the you pocket. You can blitz him more effectively at that point. Right. You can, you know, he's not able to extend plays anymore. Right. You can bring more pressure and not worry about him escaping it as much. There's less work for your coverage guys. And the Seahawks already have pretty good coverage guys. Right. And it's less that you have to worry about defending. Yeah. It makes it at least a little bit easier for you to game plan against that. So, look, I, I well, while while that is all true, I mean that was certainly that was still the case this week. Dallas knows that coming in, and I think and Brendan put this in our notes. Brendan's giving us a ton of notes today, of course. Brendan Barris, he's what a guy. Gave, <laughs> given this in our notes, he only had about four, I think it was four out passes outside the pocket against Dallas, two for touchdowns. So he wasn't didn't have that ability in this game either against the Cowboys. But if you let him get out there a couple of times, he can still beat you, and. Listen, I mean, the Seattle at home, and yeah, it didn't go very well for, for Green Bay in that first matchup. Seattle just totally took Green Bay's offense out of rhythm. But it was the first game, and Green Bay's had time to really get into a flow, and Rodgers is having another terrific season. A lot of that's been at home, but it's not like he's a such a split quarterback. He can no. still make it happen on the road. But this is one of those few places that I really do give a lot of stock to 
home field advantage. And I don't yeah. do it as much other places. You know, if this was even even Kansas, I mean, Kansas City, they say, is one of the a, a tough place to play. And it's a great place if you're a fan to go cheer on the Chiefs. Has the record now for I mean, loudest stadium. Yeah. But I, even if, like, the Chiefs were, you know, uh, you know the perennial playoff power, I, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't still count out anybody going in there. It, I wouldn't give that as much weight. For whatever reason, last few years, I give Seattle as a home field more weight than I give any other stadium in any other sport, really. And, I mean, the, the record shows it. The, the 22 wins and two losses over the last two years, that's – they're almost unbeatable. That's a win percentage over 9-10. I mean, that's – that's hard to do, and it's hard to win there. So, I mean, the I think it's going to come down to is Aaron Rodgers healthy enough? Yeah. How, how much does it rear his head? How much the injury does come into play? Because if he's able to do the things that he's able to do against Dallas, specifically in the later stages of that game, I don't think. I mean, this is going to be a really close game. If, if Green, if Aaron Rodgers isn't able to do what he was able to do in the second half against Dallas, then I. I don't think this is going to be close as we hoped it would be. Right. I mean, and getting back to the whole thing of, of Seattle's home field, I think that comes back to the talent that they have and, and how consistent they are. Yeah. They I mean, just it's not, it's so, not just the place. they got no, a great team. <laughs> but they, they just have so much talent. And, I mean, you had the issue in that week one game with Aaron Rodgers, too, of him not even looking at Richard Sherman. There's no way he can afford to do that this time. And I just I, – I don't want to give away my pick here. Huh? But don't, I uh, – I'll do it. I just have a hard time seeing Aaron Rodgers on the on the injured leg being able to put up the kind of performance he needs to he needs to put up. I even think he's he may need to be better than he was against Dallas. Oh, he probably will be. He that, probably will be game. need to be better than he was against Dallas. And I don't know that he can do that. That's I mean, that's going to be the question. I See, I mean, I, we I, we thought coming off of last year and it's been the the recent history of the teams don't fare that well usually after they win the Super Bowl. And we, we saw it the first few games. They looked like they were going to not be that team again. But Seattle, if they can pull this one off and they get to the Super Bowl, even if they don't win the Super Bowl, this is a team that's looking headed toward dynasty. Obviously winning the Super Bowl this year would obviously right. help. But this is a team that's as well-equipped as anybody in the, in the recent future, maybe since the, early, the Patriot years of the early 2000s. Yeah. that can really pull off the next dynasty team. They found their mojo midway through the season. Because you're been right, hard to stop since. they looked very, very ordinary for the majority of the first half. And, you know, Richard Sherman looked human. You know, the teams were picking on him a little bit. And that defense especially really found their swagger again. There were rumors that... Marshawn Lynch was going to leave. Right. You had the whole thing where they traded Percy Harvin, yeah. and there was some locker room chatter that, that kind of got unearthed with, with that whole situation. But, yeah, around the, the halfway point of the season, I'm trying to think of a game in particular, and I can't off the top of my head. I know by the time they played San Francisco on Thanksgiving night, that was the first time I – saw them live I think in the second half of the season and I looked at it and went whoa this team is back yep and from that point on they just took off you talk about peaking at the right time that's what this team has done and they've at least so far they've carried it over into the postseason and they look really dangerous they look close to where they were last year and that spells trouble for everybody else it certainly does and I'm we'll get to our predictions we'll have all four of us give those in a little bit but I 
and I'll say it again before we move on, I, I think this game completely rests on the calf of Aaron Rodgers. If, if he's able to give it his best shot, I mean, they've got a great shot to win this football game. If they don't, all those things we're saying about the Seahawks, they just proved to be too much. Yeah. So it it's gonna be a tough it's gonna be a tough one to, to decipher until you you see Aaron Rodgers out on the field and you see what he's able to do. But even so, took him till the second half to turn it on against Dallas, and he did, and it was enough to secure a spot in the NFC Championship game. So the winner of Seattle and Green Bay will be headed to the Super Bowl, and they'll have a date with the winner of the AFC Championship game. Where? Does anybody know where this is being held? Do we know where this, this is? This town this called is Foxborough. In oh, it's, it this is. This town called Foxborough, Foxborough, Massachusetts. Oh, who plays there? Uh, this team called the Patriots. Oh, okay. They're pretty good out right. here. That's, that's, that's what I've heard. So this, I mean, we, we talk about how, good, good, how great a game the, the NFC Championship game could be, and this could be just as good. And to just continue our discussion we had about Andrew Luck before, this is for Andrew Luck. I, I'm, I think it's got to be the biggest game of his career, no? Because yeah. not only is he at this stage of the playoffs, but it's against Tom Brady. So a guy who is the upper echelon of quarterbacks right now, it's a guy that he has to unseat for in the next few years to be the guy. Tom Brady is one of those guys who's up there. Brady, Manning, Rodgers, I'd say the top three. Luck's got to knock those guys off in the next couple of years, whether it's them retiring or right. you know, you know, losing a bit of their luster as they get older. This is Andrew Luck's one of his first big tests to really make his mark and go from number one overall pick to good young player to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, you just look at the progression of his career thus far. His first three years, his team's gone eleven and five all three years. Yeah. Uh, I'll take that. Won the absolutely won won the division the latter two of those three years. First year gets his team to the playoffs and loses. Gets a home game the next year, wins his first playoff game, wins two of them that this Chiefs year. That Chiefs game was unbelievable. You remember watching that? Like, yeah, he on... like took it over. Yeah, and this year, you know, gets back there, wins two playoff games. The second one on the road mm-hmm. against a pr- a pretty good Denver team. Say what you want about their shortcomings in that game, but they're still they're still, still a talented a tough hurdle. team. Still, still, still a tough hurdle. And here he is in the AFC Championship game. This is absolutely the biggest game of his career, and. Could we be looking at a Joe Flacco situation from a couple seasons ago where, where he goes this on is that run? where he comes of age? I mean, it's setting up to be the same yeah. kind of narrative. Flacco beat Peyton Manning on the road in the divisional mm-hmm. round, then went and beat Tom Brady on the road in the AFC Championship game on his way to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I, I mean, well, in our notes as well, Brendan also pointing out that while Flacco was the second quarterback to do that, the first quarterback to do that was none other than Mark Sanchez of the New York Jets. So I think Luck is going to have a, bitter, a bit better trajectory yeah. than, than Mark Sanchez. But I think that's listen, safe. I mean, to stick with, with the Flacco, I mean, Flacco went on that terrific run. Luck just doesn't, Luck doesn't need to go on such a super run from what, he doesn't need to be that much up from what he usually is. He's a terrific quarterback. Right. And the biggest thing here for me is that while this would be impressive no matter what, that he'd have to face Manning and Brady, hasn't beaten Brady yet. No, he he's hasn't. He's 0-3 right now. He hasn't even come close. Some big losses. And now, listen, his de- he hasn't played defense, and his defense has given up 59, 43, and 42 in the first three matchups they've, they've had with each other. But the, the offense has only put up 24, 22, and 20. So they lose 59, 24 in 2012. And then the last two are 43, 22, and 42, 20. So it's not like he's done a terrific job with the offense. Look, he's, he looked young and inexperienced at times. Like you said, he makes those mistakes where sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much. But if he could get over this hurdle, 
I mean, that's going to say a lot for what Andrew Luck is poised to be able to go do, and then there's no reason he couldn't take that a step further because you just went past two of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen play this game. Right. On the other side, Tom Brady's still over there, and that you can't just say, oh, well, then if he goes beats Manning and Brady, still got to do it. And he's beaten Manning. Again, we don't know how much it affected him. Manning was a bit hurt, and Denver didn't have that same mojo that New England certainly does at this point of the season. And New England playing at home, and yeah, while it's not Seattle, it is still a bit of a home field advantage. It's pretty good up there. No, it is absolutely. I just personally don't give it as much. Like I give Seattle so yeah, much. I don't, oh, give I don't other either. Places a ton. Like if New England was in India, I wouldn't say, "Oh, India's home; they're going to win." Right. Um. But there's this is this is a New England team that while they fell to Flacco on when Flacco went on that run, I think they're a better team now. Uh, yeah. With a healthy Gronk, too, and, I mean, Gronk's been unbelievable this year. A comeback player of the year by who's the AP. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that one was the AP, but he was named today as the as the NFL's comeback player of the year. Uh, and, yeah, I, to me, the character of this Patriots team is better than it's been in recent years. You know, I talked about that a little earlier with saying how they were able to come back against Baltimore. The teams from the past Might not three, four years, I don't think would have been able to do that. And to me... From an offensive standpoint for the Patriots, I'm I'm very curious to see how much they run the ball this week because yeah. they Tom Brady only handed the ball off I think it was seven times yeah. in the Baltimore game <laughs> and I was glad to see that. Yeah, I said last week going into that game, New England can't run the ball if it expects to win this game. Baltimore's front four, front seven is too good, and to me their recipe to win that game and it's what they did was spread them out. Uh, up tempo mm-hmm. and try to wear Baltimore out. Keep those big guys in the middle of the defense on the field. Get them tired out, and that's really what they did. It was a lot of Tom Brady. This week, the Colts still struggle against the run. That's how New England beat them last year in the playoffs with Legarrette Blunt. It's how they beat them earlier this season in Indianapolis with Jonas Gray. They ran the Colts out of their own building. Yeah, and. I don't think it'll be that run heavy this time. But they got to go more than the Ravens game. Absolutely. Well, I mean, anything would be yeah. more, pretty much more than the Ravens game. But the Colts still struggle. I mean, I think they're a better team than they were in that November meeting. But they still gave up yards to C.J. Anderson last week. He, he rushed yeah. for 80, I think, which isn't – I mean, he didn't get over 100. But I was watching that game and just eyeballing it. There were times where he – you know, found some pretty big holes in that Indianapolis defense and was able to move the ball a little bit for the Broncos. So – Look for LeGarrette Blunt. Look for Jonas Gray in this game. And to me, Vontae Davis is a good cornerback. But beyond him, I don't know how, how much strength the Colts have in the secondary. And even if they try to do against Brady uh, the same thing that they did against Manning, where they jam up the middle of the field and force Brady to beat them over the top, I mean, they may have some success with that. But that still doesn't account for a seam route from Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. You know, out of the slot, which is Julius one of Thomas is not having the year he had a year ago, and he's no Rob Gronkowski. Right, and that's one of New England's staple plays. You line up Gronkowski in the slot and just send him up the seam, and for whatever reason, no one covers him. The Ravens left <laughs> well, him I wide think, open. I think maybe more they can't cover him. He's a mismatch nightmare. He's yeah, he's JJ. I mean JJ Watt. If he played, like everybody says, oh, what if JJ Watt played tight end? He is. He's Rob Gronkowski. Yep, Rob Gronkowski setting all kinds of records and doing unbelievable things. Yeah, it's just I mean Baltimore. I remember a play, I think it was on New England's first touchdown drive when they were down 14 nothing last week. They sent Gronkowski on a seam right up the middle, and n- <laughs> no no white jersey was yeah, anywhere near him. Can't let that happen. I don't know 
if the Colts will try to allow that. I mean, they're going to try to stop that from happening. The question will be, will they be able to stop that from happening? Well, you know what we're going to do right now, Pat? We're going to answer that question. We may or may, or may not be the right answer, but we're going to answer it. I'm ready. Only two games to do. But let's get to some predictions. There it is. Here it is. Prediction time. All right. We got it's me, it's you, Pat, and we got Brendan and Luke in the back. Brendan and Luke haven't been able to to to, to talk much so far. We'll start. We'll start with the guys in the back. You guys. You guys pick ready yet? No. All right, we'll we'll take it. We'll take it here. We'll start it out here. They got. I mean, listen. These are two tough ones. I don't. I don't know if I have my mind. Pat, do you have your mind made up? Maybe if you want to start with. You're going to pick New England, right? Like, are you just going to say New England? So yeah. Do you want to yeah. get that out of the way? I just. And you're even, not going to pick the Colts. I'm surprised. What? Well, no, no. I. I mean, obviously, I, I have my allegiances, but even even looking at it, you know, from an analytical standpoint. I. It's going to be closer than the last time these two teams met. That I think Indy's a better team. That said, I just have a hard time coming up with a way that the Colts are able to slow the Patriots down enough offensively to to win this game. I, I could still this, see this being a 14-point game. I don't think it'll be any more than that, but I, I, I can still see a two-possession game. I think... You know they can try to slow down the passing game a little bit, but New England's going to have ample opportunity to run the ball, and they'll they'll take advantage of it. They're smart enough to do that. I, as much as I would like to see Andrew Luck be able to take that next step, because I really do think that's going to happen. I do think that he is going to become the next great NFL quarterback. He's going to be a guy in a few years that we say he's the best. I just don't see it happening this weekend. I feel like the the performance that they were able to put on, and as much as I say that it, it's hard to believe that they were 14 points down and did not even feel like it was a problem, it's still a huge accomplishment. You don't you don't come back from two 14 point deficits and make it look as easy as they did. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I just felt no worry that the Patriots were going to be able to come back, and I think that says a lot about people's confidence in them it says what you know my confidence in them that's I I got to pick them this week I think they're going to Super Bowl yeah and to me you don't play a game like they played last week only to go out and lose the next yeah week. no that's you know? not it's not a letdown game that's that's a game where you think the emotions got to be running high and you, you expect the, the Patriots to come out playing their best abilities and look the Colts will too they just knocked off yeah. Peyton Manning but New Denver. England New England might be too much of a hurdle a hurdle to, to jump over. They're playing better football than Denver was. Guys in the back, Brendan Bowers, Luke Palmer, you guys agree with us? It's going to be New England in the Super Bowl? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with New England. All right, Luke, we got to get you on the right microphone. I'm going to go with New England on this one, guys. As We're much all going as I want to see Indianapolis. They're an exciting team, and I really like Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton. No way in my mind the Pats are losing this game. And it's, it's just, it just seems like it comes down to that. Like It just seems like... Look, as good as the Colts have been playing and as, as great of a win that is to, to overcome the Broncos and Andrew Luck is going to become that guy, everybody say, well, it's the Patriots. They're not going to overcome that. Stay tuned, though, because this could be the next great rivalry in the okay, AFC. And if, if the Colts pull this off, you could be seeing a lot like of that. these AFC championship games over the next however many years as Andrew Luck continues to progress. And Brendan reminds me, even though I, I am fully aware that Tom Brady is 3-0 against uh, Andrew Luck, you just wanted to remind me of that. So That'll, that'll change eventually. It it's will change eventually. Will not it this change weekend. this weekend? None of us think so. None of us, none of us think so. We all think that Tom Brady moves to 4-0 against Andrew Luck in his short Colts career, so also, we think it's going to be the Pats in the Super Bowl. Also, 
if if Tom Brady, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves right, here, right. but if the Patriots if the Patriots win this game, Tom Brady goes to his sixth Super Bowl. That's more than any other player. Hasn't won one in a while. No, he hasn't. This I think is his best shot since that '07 team. But yeah, this he wins this game. He's going to his sixth Super Bowl. He breaks his tie with John Elway. Yeah, Adam Benatari is going to his sixth Super Bowl too. Potentially, <laughs> maybe. Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't think Adam Benatari is going to six Super Bowl. I think that I, I, I again, I want to, I want to say more about why the Patriots are going to win it. I mean, I, I want to say more, but I can't. It's just the Patriots, right? Like, I, is that a, that's fair, right? That's fair enough. I can say, it. yeah, I guess so. Brendan Schick, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're we're locking that in. New England Patriots says the four of us that they're going to the Queen Super Street. Bowl, but they got to play somebody there, right? They gotta they gotta play yeah. somebody in the Super Bowl from the NFC and. Whoever they play, it's going to be a tough matchup because these are two terrific teams. Obviously, they're two best teams left in the NFC for a reason. Seattle, Green Bay, this game's in Seattle. Pat, have you made up your mind? Yeah, I mean, I almost gave it away earlier. I, I'm going with Seattle. As much as as a fan, as a, as a New England fan, I think Green Bay would be a better matchup for, for the Patriots. But I just I don't see Seattle losing at home. I don't see Seattle losing at home against a one-legged Aaron Rodgers. They beat a fully healthy Aaron Rodgers. I think it was thirty six sixteen in Week One. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these yep. two teams are yeah completely I mean, look, two different. different teams. And Seattle went on a bit of a skid right after that, starting out the season not that hot, but they're hot now. I mean, and think about that. That was the first week of the season they pulled right. out that twenty point win, and now we're saying they're playing their best football. So obviously that's scary, but you know what? I'm gonna go against the green. We can't wow. all say we can't all say Seattle. I all right, can't, I can't count on them because they all said Patriots. So Someone's I don't want to count on them. But I, I know I just think like I if 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 Aaron Rodgers isn't able to pull this one out of the hat like he did against Dallas and just play a terrific second half with that injury, if that injury prevents him from doing those things, then it's a different game. Seattle maybe runs away with it. But if Aaron Rodgers is healthy enough, I, he's not going to be healthy. We all know it. But if he's healthy enough to do enough special things, I, I think that as much as Russell Wilson's a winner, as much as that defense is ferocious, as tough as a place as it is as Seattle to play, just watching Aaron Rodgers lead that team to victory after really not doing much in the first half, having the second half that he had when that injury had to be killing him even more than it was in the first half, yeah. that that's en- it is enough to convince me that if he's – at the same physical level, I mean, looking, they're going into the same preparation this week, same kind of regimen for him, keeping him out of most of practice. If he can do, if he can have enough there, I, I think it's, I think it's Green Bay meeting New England in the Super Bowl. We'll see if I prematurely had to change things up. If the guys in the back maybe think the Patriots too, we'll we'll, we'll head back there. All right, guys, Patriots or Seattle? It's in Seattle. Do the Seahawks have enough to win it at home? Uh, this has got to be one of the toughest uh, it decisions is. I made while on, on NFL Friday this entire one. year. But uh, I think I'm going to go with Seattle over Green Bay at home just because I feel like Seattle is just a, su- such a tough team to play against at home. That they game are. is so hard to come in and win. And I think – I still think – I don't think uh, – I don't think Aaron Rodgers is 100. percent No, I mean we so know he's not 100. Uh, Seattle but, pulls this one off. But if it, if he's able to, if he if if he has, I'm gonna go with the upset. I'm gonna take the Packers in this one, and not not because right, of Aaron Rodgers, but because of Eddie Lacy and what he can do. I mean, I know I mean, Seattle has that front seven who will just lock, who can lock players down, but I've got a good feeling about this one for the Packers. And listen, we haven't even mentioned Eddie Lacy's name that. 
listen, he's a had a great start to his NFL career. They're going to need a running game too, yeah. obviously, to offset Aaron Rodgers' inability to move around the pocket. I, I listen. I, I I think I'm. I I think that Aaron Rodgers has enough in that tank. I really do. He he came in and said, "Listen, I got 120 minutes left in me," and that's that's saying he's got a Super Bowl in him too. So I mean, if he can channel enough of that for this game at Seattle, it's gonna look. I'm not trying to count out the Seahawks defense and that 12th man. And somehow, I mean, maybe I'm going against I'm going against the gods in this one because this game starts at 12 p.m. local time in Seattle. It's the first game on the West yeah. Coast. Doesn't make any sense, but hey, for the 12th man up there in Seattle, maybe <laughs> maybe the football gods have a little bit going on this one. But I'm going against them. I think Green Bay. Luke thinks I, Green Bay, but Pat and Brendan say it's going to be Seattle. Everybody thinks the Patriots, but we're a little split on this one. Yeah, I, I just think this is where the Rodgers injury catches up to him. And to me, it took everything he had just to get by Dallas last week. To me, I think he would need more than that to, to get by Seattle this week, and I, I just don't think he has. I'm surprised you guys think that this is this is a tough game. Uh, outside of my rooting interest for the Packers, I really don't think yeah. this is that hard a pick. I don't think I don't think either of these games is really that hard of a pick. Well, we know you don't think that the Patriots No, even from an, even know, from an analytical standpoint. I, I got to give, give you some grief for it here in New York. That's fair. But listen, if you, if you listen to NFL Friday, you'll know that the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, if you can trust us. But we can't make up our minds. Is it going to be the Packers? Is it going to be the Seahawks? We'll have a ton of fun this weekend finding out. We don't know yet, but, hey, that's why we get to watch. It's the Conference Championships. Thanks for joining us on the Conference Championship edition of NFL Friday. Hey, enjoy some football. This has been one-on-one's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.